Hey guys, it's Zach and Krista. This is the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. This is episode 37, first, uh, third Nephi, chapters 1 through 7. Happy Labor Day to you if you're listening on Monday or if you're listening later in the week. Hopefully you had a nice long weekend and were able to enjoy a little bit the last the sun we spent today out on a lake and out at the pool and yesterday we went and visited the dump because um, our kids really wanted to go visit the dump for their yeah. end of summer vacation we really partied it up on our friday night so at the dump we've been uh, we've been rocking it hard maybe you went somewhere more exciting for your for your labor day but i don't think it gets much more, more exciting, exciting or at least more original that's true that's true i think the people they were really they nice were to really us really happy the dump. like Oh, really? Sure. Did you want to take a tour of the dump? <laughs> it was really interesting, though. I think we'll go back again for a real, real live tour. Yeah. Highly, they said you can do it. Highly recommend it. Hey, um, we have loved all the study tips that have been coming in. This week, we have one from Kim Stoddard, who is a really good friend of Krista's that she's worked with at the Small Seed. And longer. And longer but, than that, even, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so... And a listener of our podcast. She's been a listener from the beginning and we're so grateful for that so we actually she uh agreed to send us her study tip in her own voice so we're gonna let you listen to it and then uh we'll we'll uh, chime in afterwards with our thoughts on it but here you go hey Kristen, zach um just wanted to say thank you for the amazing podcast first of all it truly is the best in the whole wide world um but i also wanted to share one of my study tips that I've been using for a few months now and has been super interesting and really fun. Um, I've been using an app called Strong's Concordance. It was recommended to me by a good friend and it has been really fun to add to my scripture study. Um, I think it's maybe four or five dollars on the app store. And what it is, is it gives you the definitions and the Hebrew word for every, basically every word in the King James Version. Genesis 1-4, talking about the light. And you can, in the app, you can just click on the word, the light, and it'll come up and you will have the Hebrew word, you'll have the root words, And then you'll have all these different definitions. For example, one of them is happiness. And it has been so fun to be able to have my scriptures open and be reading and come across words that I have a definition for, but I'm curious what, like, the root word is and what other definitions are. So I'll, you know, click on them in the app. And up comes all these variations and different thoughts Um, on different ways that I could interpret this word. And, you know, some of them don't really work, or um, also in the app there's all these other cross-references as to where that Hebrew word is in other scriptures. So that's another really cool part about it. But um, I like it because it allows me to be a lot more thoughtful, and I'm kind of a word nerd anyways, and I love to know, you know, where words came from and what the actual word might really be right there. But it also opens up um, just my mind to revelation and to see, 
okay, so that's what the word is. But what is the Lord trying to teach me right now in my life through this scripture? And maybe it's not what I'm thinking. Maybe it's this other definition or this other way of thinking. So it's opened up a lot of new thoughts and possibilities for me. Um, and so it's just been a fun tool to add into my scripture study. Um, and it's been really fun. So I wanted to just throw that out there. Um, and once again, thank you guys so, so much for this podcast. I love it with my whole heart and hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Kim, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. Isn't it fun to just get a little taste and feel of people digging into God's word and how it affects them? I love that. And I love the study tip. Um, Me too. And I love it because um, as, as good as the Bible is in English, it wasn't written in English, right? It was written in Hebrew or written in Greek. And so sometimes we have an English word where it really shouldn't be. That can bring so much depth to your study. I love that. Thank you so much, Kim. Great, great. So please keep sending us your study tip. If you want to send us an audio study tip like that, we'll throw it on as well. People would love to hear you studying. They'd love to hear your experience. Even if it's not a study tip and it's just something you've learned um, that goes along with what we've been reading, send us the text, send us an email, uh, instant message us. People instant messaging or private message us on Instagram. <laughs> I was going to say, how many different types of messaging will Zach say? Um, or but yeah, or get a hold of us. File. We'd love it. Okay. Um, I didn't tell Krista about this because I knew that she'd say no. Um, oh. If you want to know something not to do, um, don't Google worst diseases ever because you come up with a whole bunch of pictures that are really gross. So I haven't showed Krista these yet. That's I'm not I'm gonna... even going to look at the pictures. Actually. So this is uh, the top 10 deadliest diseases this is just one of those um and oh maybe it's not going to show oh good it doesn't have oh this one doesn't have the pictures in it um the top most deadly disease as you could probably guess um is coronary artery disease uh 8.8 deaths in 2015 8.8 8.8 million 8. deaths. 8.8 million deaths. Here's the one I found. Oh, don't Deadliest even. diseases in the past. So this is the first one. That's going to creep you out, isn't it? It's just pictures of bumps on things, really. So there's the Black Death, right? The bubonic plague. There's smallpox. Gross pictures. Really just gross pictures. Anyway, <laughs> the whole point being... Sorry, I should take it off that screen. Um, the not whole... to make light of those diseases. No, not at all. But... Because I'm getting chills from looking at the pictures. Mormon uses a really interesting word here at the beginning of 3rd Nephi that um, we want to play off of as we study this block of Scripture and apply it to our day. Uh, This is in verse 27. came to pass that in the ninety and third year did also pass away in peace, save it were for the Gadiatan robbers who dwelt upon the mountains, who did infest the land, for so strong were their holds, and their secret places, that the people could not overpower them. Therefore they did commit many murders, and did do much slaughter among the people. Now Mormon carries this idea of the Gadiatan robbers infesting the people, or infesting the land, throughout the scriptures. He mentions this in Helaman, he'll mention the Gadiatan robbers infesting the land again in Mormon. And he uses a couple of uh, illustrations to, to play off of that infestation idea. This is chapter 2, verse 11 came to pass in the 13th year, there began to be wars and contentions throughout the land, for the Gadiatan robbers had become so numerous and did slay so many of the people, 
and did lay waste so many cities, and did spread so much death and carnage throughout the land that it became expedient that all the people of Nephites and the Lamanites should take up arms against them. This disease is spreading. And then over in chapter 4, verse 1, came to pass in the latter end of the 18th year, those armies of the robbers had prepared for battle and began to come down and to, I love this phrase, to sally forth from the hills and out of the mountains and the wilderness and their strongholds and their secret places and began to take possession of the lands, both which were in the land south and the land which were north and began to take possession of all the lands which had been deserted by the Nephites and the cities which had been left desolate. So the Nephites and the Lamanites in these beginning chapters have this, this infestation, this disease instigated by the Gadiatin robbers. Um, Ezra Taft Benson once said about the Book of Mormon, the record of the Nephite history just prior to the Savior's visit reveals many parallels to our own day as we anticipate the Savior's second coming. In other words, in 3 Nephi chapter 11, the Savior comes. In our next episode, the Savior comes. This episode is what the world looks like before the Savior comes the first time. And according to President Benson, the way the world looked before the Savior's first coming parallels in many ways the way our world looks before the second coming. And I think if we can identify some of these infestations in our world today, then maybe we can turn or learn how to fight back um, the way that some of these great Nephite and Lamanite leaders did then. Maybe we can learn to fight back in our day. So the first symptom of the disease that I found comes from 3 Nephi chapter 1, verse 22. It says, And it came to pass that from this time forth there began to be lying sent forth among the people by Satan to harden their hearts to the intent that they might not believe in the signs and wonders which they had seen. But notwithstanding these lines and deceivings, the more part of the people did believe, and they were converted unto the Lord. I just couldn't help but notice the polarizing effect. There was people really not believing but at the same time, there were people that were becoming stronger in their beliefs because of all that was happening. And then you come back to um, chapter 1, verse 9, and it's talking about um, that the people were so upset about the people that still believed in the signs. The signs weren't coming um, that, were, that Samuel had prophesied of, and they wanted to put the people that believed to death. That's how polarizing it was mm -hmm. for them. Here they were, sorry, if you still believe in this, you're going to be put to death. And I just, I don't understand that tension there. I mean, we see it today. Yeah, this is one that's very similar to what we see today. I mean, right? we're not put to death yet, <laughs> but you know, that's that feeling of why does it have to be so intense when someone chooses to believe differently than you? Mm -hmm. Maybe we, that's just a human a human trait well, we, we, that we, we see. I think... To some degree, we've made so many great strides in becoming more accepting of of diversity as a as a nation. Maybe I can't speak for the world, but as a nation, more accepting of diversity and in individuals. But one big black hole seems to be religion. We have not become more accepting of different religions. We're okay if someone's not religious, but we're really not okay if someone is religious. If you state a, an opinion or a belief. Um, whether it's a political one or a parenting one or whatever, and that belief is religiously based, um, that's uh, it's like a putting painting a target on your chest for ridicule and for hatred and for animosity. I know that happens to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, but 
I think this polarizing is a very obvious one today that um, there's just so much anger and so much animosity aimed at those that have um, that have deep held religious beliefs. I think that's a great find. Um, one that I thought this phrase has always kind of uh, stood out to me. We read verse 27. In verse 28, it came to pass in the 90 and fourth year that they, meaning the Gadiat and robbers, began to increase in a great degree because there were many dissenters from the Nephites. And then in verse 29, there were also uh, a sorrow among the Lamanites. For behold, they had many children who did grow up and began to wax strong in years that they became for themselves and were led away by some who were Zoramites by their lyings and their flattering words to join those Gadiatan robbers. That phrase, they became for themselves, has always intrigued me. Um, partly because I don't know if I fully know what it means. Um, I would love to pitch that out to, to listeners. If you, if you have an idea or a thought on that, that's a great phrase that I would love some insight on. But one of the things as I was thinking about it this week is to become for yourself, at least in my mind, signifies that you're, you're looking at your own strength um, which goes counter to what the Lamanites have been recently. They, we had these 2,000 tripling warriors that always looked to God for their strength, and now we have these Lamanite youth that look to themselves for their strength. And as I was looking, thinking about today, I realized that seems to be kind of um, a symptom of modern, I don't know, spiritual diseases today, that um, we as a people, and, and maybe especially our youth, are looking to themselves for their own strength, or maybe more correctly, they're looking at themselves. This is a dumb name for a disease, but I thought if I was to name this disease, I would call it the optoselfieitis. Opto meaning eyes, selfie meaning selfies, and itis meaning a disease, right? <laughs> this is the disease where we spend so much time looking at ourselves, worrying about ourselves, worrying about the way that we look and the way that we speak and the way that we're portrayed and the way that we're received. So much time focusing on ourselves, this selfie culture. Um, Which is why here it says they were, you know, they were influenced by the lyings and the flattering words. Mm -hmm. What do we like when people oh, flatter yeah. us? Interesting. As, you know, if it's about us. So I'm more easily flattered if I'm focused on myself than if I'm not. about you. Oh, that's I mean, interesting. Isn't I that a, that's that. a very human quality. I think yeah. we all that's kind of relate to that, but it's interesting to think of it in mm -hmm. that way. Well, and you, you were talking about the end of that verse too. Well, yeah, I, I think I would just add add to that is, so, you know, they, they wax strong, they became for themselves, you know, they're growing up. That's one way we could maybe look at that phrase. They're They're getting older and becoming having their own thoughts and feelings, right? And the thing I I just, as I read that verse, I just thought, our, we're teaching our kids. And I know some people, especially in today's world, are like, I don't want to teach my kid anything religious because... I don't want to brainwash them. Yeah, we don't want to... I don't want to influence them yes, too exactly. heavily. I want them to choose for themselves. But the thing that stands out to me here is, and that I always think when I hear that, is someone is teaching your kid, your children, something. Mm -hmm. They are learning and they are sponging it in. They're soaking it in from something. Yeah. They're always going to be learning something. So if you aren't, as a parent, teaching them, hopefully the selective things that you really hope that they learn, um, they're learning from somewhere. Yeah. No child grows up in a vacuum. And I think this is a great verse to prove that. Mm -hmm. They're growing older and yet 
because of they're looking to themselves, they're so easily flattered by, by external sources instead of, as has been the case, this is a great comparison to pause this verse and compare it to the 2000 Stripling Warriors because the hallmark of the Stripling Warriors was... They were taught. They were taught by their mothers. They thought on the liberty of their fathers, Mm -hmm. right? And here we have youth that aren't looking to their mothers and fathers. They're looking somewhere else. And I think that's all too recognizable a disease today. One, and maybe the last one that we kind of both thought about or that we both liked was in chapter 2, verse 1. Came to pass that thus passed away the 90 and 5th year... And the people began to forget those signs and wonders which they had heard and began to be less and less astonished at a sign or a wonder from heaven, insomuch that they began to be hard in their hearts and blind in their minds and began to disbelieve all which they had heard and seen. Um, I don't know if this was, this was something I had written in another set of scriptures, just the word callous. And I thought of the word callous or what a callous is. It does a couple of things. You get calluses on your hands. A callus stops blood flow to an area. It stops feeling, and it can actually prevent healing. I think in this case, these individuals had become spiritually calloused, which means the blood of Christ is no longer flowing into their life. They're not feeling anything anymore, and it's prevented them from actually healing, spiritually growing and healing and learning. Um, and I, I, this is this is way nerdy of me, but... I, my brother's a surgical tech, and uh, he's an NPA school. And, and NPA school right now. He's a he's a couple of months away from graduating. So I emailed him and said, "Hey, I need to know what this disease would be called. Um, this this hard hearted, calloused." And so he wrote me back quite a few um, ideas for it. And I thought these were really cool. So here's his official diagnosis: Patient has a neuroepithel a neuroepithelioma causing delusions of grandeur that has metastasized into the precordial area causing a cormabid condition known as pericardiosclerosis. So there's the name of the disease. He shortened it to just pericardiosclerosis, which means a hard-heartedness that then metastasizes and spreads. And again, I think this is a disease we look at and can see today that that um, people become callous to... to um, sensitive influences, uh, religious influences, God speaking to them or showing them things or signs and miracles happening in their life, they they get callous to it. And so they don't feel anything. They don't accept Christ as much in their lives. Um, And it's a a cause of sadness, I think. And all of those things begin that we mentioned in that verse. The first thing is the people began to forget. And again, in contrast with some of those, um, the stripling warriors, it was all about remembering the liberty, the freedom that we have had, we remember, remember that's such an important word. And when we forget, we become calloused. Yeah. We become hardened. We forget. We forget to, you know, really see and hear and really see God, listen for him and look for him. I think this is one that we have to be really cautious and guard ourselves against. Well, if all of those diseases are present today, if all those infestations are there then what do you do against them? How do you prevent yourself from becoming infected? How do you inoculate yourself? And so we found just a couple of things that happen in these chapters. There's not a whole lot of good news, but there's a little bit. The good news comes in the next episode. Um, But we found just a couple of things that might be able to fortify you and fortify your family against some of these infestations. Speaking of fortifying, that's the first one. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) You're the one that said it, but... 
Um, chapter 3, verse 14, Laconius, it says, He caused that fortifications should be built round about them, and the strength thereof should be exceedingly great. So that we are doing things, we're building things, we're strengthening our walls around us and our family and our community. That's it. Yeah. And that, that goes along with all of these types of fortifications that we'll be talking about now. That's a throwback to those war chapter episodes, a very Captain Moroni-ish defense strategy to build up fortifications to protect yourself against infections. Which for some reason I just love. Yeah. I just, I love that thought of the things that I'm doing matter. They build up strength around me. They fortify me. Well, and this is cool here because Mormon narrates this interesting story where Laconius, the chief judge, in order to uh, strengthen his people against the attack of the Gadian robbers, actually tells everyone to gather together within these fortifications. So he calls everyone back from outlying cities, and he gathers them together, verse 22, at an appointed gathering place, which I love. Um, and in their, as they're centralized, the Gadian robbers come into the outlying areas. This is the beginning of chapter 4. And there's no wild beasts, there's no game, there's no provisions left behind behind the Nephites. And because of that, the Gadiat robbers can't get any strength. And as I thought of this, I thought, how do you stop a disease? A lot of times the answer is you starve it out. You don't give it anything to feed off of. And that's what Laconius, this chief judge of the Nephites, is doing to the Gadiat robbers. He's starving them. And I started thinking, what does that look like in our, in our own lives, in our own families? If you can identify a disease or an infection, a spiritual infection that's attacking you or attacking your family, one strategy might be to build up fortifications to make sure that it doesn't get any closer to you, but then to starve it out. Don't feed an infestation. Don't give it attention. Don't give it time. Don't give it worry. Don't give it doubt. Gather yourself together in these appointed strongholds, whatever those may be for you. Gather your family together and starve out the disease. And maybe we starve out not even just the big onslaught of, of things, but also those little small things that we know we need to get rid of. Yeah. Those very small things that are can become the beginning of something bigger. Um, if we look in chapter 3, verses um, 16 and 19, it talks about the leaders. Um, this is Laconius and then Gidgadoni, who is appointed... Chief Captain. Chief Captain. There you go. Thank you. Looking for that. So great. Verse 16 says, So great and marvelous were the words and prophecies of Laconius. And then he appoints Gidgadoni. And it says, Now it was the custom among all the Nephites to appoint for their chief captains someone that had the spirit of revelation and also prophecy. Just listen to our leaders. Listen to the little things. And maybe that's another thing. They're telling us often very small things to do to build up our fortifications and to protect ourselves from what these diseases can become if we're not protecting ourselves. I love the image of, of um, ecclesiastical leaders, the men and women that are called to lead us as, as spiritual doctors of a sort, that they can help protect you against diseases. Many of them are experienced, they're wise, and even if they're not, they're entitled to revelation on our behalf that they can protect us from infection. But if we are infected, they're also ones that can help us. An elders quorum president, a Relief Society president, of course, a bishop, a young men's leader, young women's leader, parents. The uh, words of like general, general conference. Like, right. I would say a lot of those things are, are just can be a healing balm to our soul yeah. in essence. 
that that's what it's all about. That's why we have those trusted leaders that we can receive spiritual guidance from. Yeah. And I love that, um, that thought. One that I found um, in chapter four, as Gidgadoni wages war against these Gadiatin robbers, he does something different than what Moroni did. If you remember in the war chapters, um, Moroni was a pretty just general. And so he played by the quote-unquote gentleman rules of war. For example, when Moroni beat an army, he always offered uh, sanctuary to enemies. He, he took prisoners. Gidgadoni doesn't. In this battle against the Gadiatin robbers, um, anyone that falls into his hands, he, he slays them. He kills everyone. It's, it's ruthless. It's all-out war. And I thought, why is it that in the war chapters it's praised that Moroni is this kind of generous and, and merciful commander. And why is it likewise praised here that, that Gidgadoni isn't? And I thought, when you're fighting Lamanites, it's very different than fighting Gadiat and robbers. When you're fighting a disease, the dumbest thing you could do is to leave part of that disease in you. Now, I don't know what diseases are, are plaguing you, listener, or me, or families, but in our war against any kind of spiritual disease, don't leave anything left over. Don't leave little habits left over. Don't leave little thoughts lingering. We have to eliminate the entire disease. Gidgadoni knew this because the Gadiat robbers crop up over and over and over again because they're never fully eradicated. Um, let's not have that be that way with us. Get rid of the disease. Get rid of it today. Get rid of it out of your family. It's worth the effort to purge ourselves of whatever spiritual infestations might be causing us pain. And I think, like you said, they come back over and over again. So also don't get frustrated when mm -hmm. we can't get rid of them. Because I think that's also very realistic to say that when we have spiritual problems or questions or whatever it is that's plaguing us or trying to take over, to know that when we have things that come back, there's still time to get rid of it. Yeah. We don't have to be frustrated and saying, wait, I already took care of this problem because often the nature of a disease is that it does come back In fact, and we can keep fighting it. Teaser for the next episode. Um, the only person in the Book of Mormon that has been 100% successful at eliminating the Gadiat and robbers or any other enemy is Jesus Christ himself. And I think there's a lesson in that for us. Oh, for sure. My efforts mm -hmm. will never fully eradicate anything from my life unless I ally myself with a higher power. And who better to allow ally ourselves with than him? Yeah. Is that a word? Ally? Yes, it is. <laughs> Sounded funny. I usually don't say words that are that cool. <laughs> um, it, well, here's the hope. In chapter 5, verse 1, after this war that Gidgadoni wages against the Adiat robbers, he's able to eliminate them because of that total war, at least for a couple of years. And now behold, there was not a living soul among all the people of the Nephites who did doubt in the least the words of all the holy prophets who had spoken, for they knew that it must needs be that they must be fulfilled. In the middle of all of this, this disease and tragedy, there's this little glimmer, this little eye of the storm where no one doubts. Um, I don't know if that's a realistic family, a realistic goal for us or for our families to have no doubt or to have perfection anywhere. Um, but I think it's healthy to have that as a hope, to know that as, as, as persistent as some of these spiritual diseases are, whatever yours may be or whatever our mind may be, that there's hope, that there's healing, 
um, that God doesn't count us lost when we get infected, but he is the master physician himself and has has utilized almost any means possible to help heal us and help save us. And so if you're listening to this and you feel like you've been infected, there's hope. If you're thinking of your family and there's something that's that's plaguing or injuring your family, there's hope. There's healing. It takes persistent. It takes time. Sometimes it takes all-out war. Sometimes it takes stronger fortifications or gathering everyone together in the appointed place. Sometimes it takes a clear understanding of what those diseases are so we can identify them and eradicate them. But there's hope and there's potential for these moments when no one doubts and when we can experience joy and peace together. Well, this hasn't been the most uplifting of episodes because it's kind of part one of a, of a two-part episode. So hang in there for next week's episode where everything changes. All of the disease, all of the sickness, all of the, the destruction gets reversed instantly with the coming of the Savior. And we spend the next three or four episodes just diving into the good things that are coming. So hang in there. Hang in there this week and hang into our next episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram. Um, spread this or share this with anyone that you think might be interested or that it might help. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye.